Good morning, Crossroads. It's good to be back here. Uh, it's always an honor to be invited back to speak. Um, I was told that Eddie did, he uses a lot of movie clips and stuff, so I was told I could bring a movie clip. Is that, is that right? Uh, but Steve told me I was limited to like 20 or 25 minutes, so I may need some help because my movie clip's like 15 minutes long. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that's going to work out. No, I'm just kidding. I did bring a clip, but it's not 15 minutes long, I promise. It's good to be alive, though, amen? amen. And speaking of, is there anyone in here who has ever saved a life before? I've been around some people and I've asked people before that have saved lives and they can tell me details, intimate details. Is there anyone in here that has ever had someone save your life before? And all of us, right? Maybe, uh, maybe some tragedy happened in your life, car accident or accident or something that almost claimed your life. And I've talked to people like that before and, and they can share the intimate details about that day. Sometimes second by second. And sometimes they know the person that saved them and sometimes they don't. You see, I was a, a peace officer in Georgia, a certified peace officer. I was a sheriff's deputy in Georgia. And there was one night where I almost had to shoot someone. Literally had my gun out and had the barrel right on them. It was a very traumatic experience in my life. But it pales in comparison to the time that someone saved my life. And if you've ever had your life saved before, usually you refer to that person as a hero. And in our culture today with, you know, when we say heroes, sometimes we think of superheroes like Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, and that type of thing, especially with all the movies, Marvel Comics movies and stuff going on. But more times than not, when you talk about a hero, most people think of a war hero. A hero is defined in several different ways. One way is that we define a hero as someone who shows great courage. Another way is we call someone a hero because they are admired for their outstanding achievements. Maybe they've done something that has benefited a society or a, a mass amount of people. We define heroes of people who stand up against evil. I like to define a hero as someone who does what's right no matter what the circumstance is. And that's hard in our culture today to do what's right. And that term right really, it, it comes from the big bull term righteous. We are to live and we're called to live righteous. And that term righteous really means to live and do what's right. Because we do have a villain in this world, one who is the ruler of this world that doesn't want us to do right. And he goes around and he tries to get people and entities and all kinds of things to sway us to do things that are wrong. And so for us to actually stand up and to do what's right in our society today does take courage. It does take someone to stand up against evil. And that's hard. It's challenging. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 2, Bibles or Bible apps. And you may have heard a few sermons 
on 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter starts off in, in verse 1, and he says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander. He's saying, put off those things that are not right. Put them off. He goes on in verse 5, and he says he calls us living stones, and we are being built up for a house of God. And go down to verse 9, he goes on to say, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's who we are. Then you go down to verse 11, he goes on to say, Peter says that we are aliens and strangers in this land. Kind of like Superman, right? Superman wasn't from here. He was from another planet, and he came here as a stranger. Peter's telling us the same thing, that we're aliens and strangers. We're not from this earth. And so he says, you're aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. He goes on to say that you're to deny yourself or refrain from things that your flesh desires because when you desire and fall into those things, it literally attacks your soul. And then he goes down in verse 16, he says, but act act as free men, live as a free person, but do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but live as one who belongs to God. Yes, we're free in Christ. We're told that in Scripture. He has set us free, so surely we are free. But don't use your freedom to go and hide or say you have a right to do evil things. Use your freedom to live as one who belongs to God. He goes down to verse 21. He says, follow Christ's example. And then verse 22, he explains that example. And he says, Christ committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. That's the example that we are given that we are to follow. In verse 23 and 24, he goes on to explain how Christ died for our sin and that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, verse 24, to do what is right. And verse 25 is really what I want to focus today. He says these words in verse 25. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So you were continually straying. And I'm, I'm also speaking about myself. It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's kind of sad, really, how often we continually stray. It's Sad how often we run back to the darkness. Kind of like these sheep just getting farther and farther and farther and farther away. How often we just kind of wander away from God and wander away from Satan and we, we find ourselves chasing after those fleshly lusts that he mentioned earlier. It's sad to say how often we actually run back into the darkness and we run back into the very hands of the evil one very hands of the one who binds us away from our freedom. But Peter says, you were continually straying, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Now that word shepherd there in the Greek is poimen. Everyone say poimen. That's a Greek word for shepherd. It's actually the same word where we get the word pastor. 
in the ancient Eastern time, in the biblical times, the shepherd is responsible for watching out for enemies. Much like this picture, this guy is standing on the crest of the hill so he can see down both sides of the hill. And he's close to his flock so he can watch his flock, but he can see past his flock. He's watching for enemies. He's watching for danger. That's appointment. That's a shepherd. But we know also, I'm sure you've probably heard lessons, that it's also the shepherd's responsibility when he sees a sheep that's hurting to go beside that sheep, to love that sheep, to heal that sheep. We also know it's the responsibility of the shepherd to leave the 99 and go after that one that's wandering and straying away. All of these are pictures of the shepherd. In fact, if you want to turn back over to Psalm 23, it really is talking about this picture of Psalm 23 in the flesh. That Jesus really is Psalm 23 in the flesh. He is the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, still waters. The Lord leads me and takes care of me and puts me in this place that's safe. And then verse 3, he restores my soul. The same root word that's used in 1 Peter, the shepherd and guardian of my soul, he restores my soul. Listen, he guides me in paths of righteousness. God guides us. Jesus, the shepherd and guardian of our soul, guides us to do what's right for his name's sake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, I'm with you, and I have comfort in your rod and staff, and nothing bad will ever happen to you. And how we twist Scripture around so many times. say, well, bad things happen to me all the time. And I know people, uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ or family members, that bad things happen to them. That's because he's talking about your soul. He says, I'm the shepherd of your soul. Nothing will bad will happen to your soul. Yes, bad things happen to us. Bad things happen to our loved ones because it is a flesh and blood world, but we are not to focus on flesh and blood. We are to focus on on the spiritual things. That's what Jesus focuses on. So he says, I will protect your soul or nothing happened to your, to your soul. Verse 5, he says, I prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. It says that Jesus, the shepherd and guardian of our soul, being a shepherd, provides this place even in the presence of Satan that we can feast and not be afraid. Then he says in verse 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's interesting in that word, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me. That word follow in the Hebrew literally means chase. He's saying that loving kindness and goodness, Jesus will chase after me all the days of my life. Because he loves you that much as a shepherd. 
He chases after you. And not you, flesh, but you, your soul. He's also called a guardian, the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Episcopos, uh, the E is an A sound, episcopos. Everybody say episcopos. That's a Greek word for guardian. Has anybody seen this movie? It's a still picture off of the movie Troy. Remember that movie? In Greek literature, the, the word episkopos means guardian. In Homer's Iliad, the writing of Homer's Iliad, Hector is called the episkopos of Troy. He is the guardian of Troy. The same word is used for Jesus, the shepherd and guardian of your soul. It is the guardian's responsibility to protect the city, to make sure nothing gets in, that nothing attacks, that nothing can win and tear it down. It's Jesus' responsibility as your guardian, the guardian of your soul, to protect your soul. And this is the city and temple of God. Amen? So it's him that is protecting this city. That's kind of like this, right? Get this guy standing here, and the shadows cast behind him, and the shadows this picture of the superhero. Because in all reality, it's not me that it can protect my soul. I, I'm not strong enough. I'm too weak. I'm not God. And so Scripture says, it's he that's within me is stronger than he that's in the world. Amen? And so this picture is kind of real. It's like, there's me, and then there's this shadow, this picture of what's inside of me is this superhero God, the guardian of my soul. Because he loves your soul. It's priceless to him. He'll do anything for it. He'll lay down his life as a guardian to protect your soul. That's Jesus. And we can see as, as this uh, Hebrew writer talks about that the Old Testament is the shadow of things to come. It's really about Jesus, the substance of the New Testament that we read and the shadows in the Old Testament. So like, kind of like that picture, we can see Jesus all through the Old Testament. And Jesus really does become a hero for everyone, even Abraham. Jesus is the hero of Abraham who promised a seed to make him a great nation. Jesus really is the hero of Moses who delivered him and his people. Jesus is the hero of Ruth who redeemed her through Boaz. He's the hero of Rahab the harlot who delivered her from death and destruction. Jesus really is the hero of Esther who saved her people he really is the hero of Daniel who saved him from the mouths of the lions. Jesus really is the hero of Desmond Doss. Who? Wait, that's not in the Bible, is it? No, it's not. Desmond Doss was a private soldier in World War II. 
Anybody seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? It's a true story about Desmond Doss. And Desmond was a private in World War II, and he was labeled as a conscientious objector. He didn't like that label. He said, I'm not really that. I'm really more of a conscientious cooperator. Because he made a decision as a young man when he, when he really got into the Bible. His family was, you know, very religious and going to church all the time. And he read the Ten Commandments and says, thou shall not kill. And he took that serious. So when the war came along and he saw friends going in, he went in himself. But he said, I don't want to touch a gun. I don't want to take life because it goes against my conscience. But I want to go to war. So I really am a conscience cooperator. I want to go to war. He says, it's, you know, the world's tearing itself apart. I don't think it's a bad thing to try to put some of it back together again. While everyone else is taking life, I want to save it. But you can imagine someone like that in boot camp, along with these other soldiers that are literally being trained to kill people. He was ridiculed. His fellow soldiers beat him, made fun of him, told him he was weak, told him he was a coward. They tried to throw him out on a Section 8 saying he was crazy. It didn't work. They said that he would never be a worthy soldier, and they said that they'd never want to be next to him on the battlefield because they were too afraid that he might just get them killed. The movie depicts it like this. He's been to war in a few different places, and now they're in Okinawa. And they've got to attack this ridge. And they call it Hacksaw Ridge because they, the military has literally sent up several battalions of soldiers that were slaughtered. They were hacksawed down. That's how it got its name. And the movie depicts them, depicts them up there on the ridge, and they've kind of captured it, but then the enemy comes and impresses them back, and they're all leaving the ridge, and Desmond's left up there alone, and he has just now carried one of his friends, his fellow soldiers, and he's died. And he's crying out to God, and he, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do because he just wants to save life, and the movie depicts it like this. What is it you want of me? I don't understand. I can't hear you.
me. He's dead. I'm gonna fix you up. You ready to get out of here? I sure am. Please, Lord, help me get one more. saved 75 men, lowered him down by himself. He was up on the ridge for 12 hours by himself, saving the very people that ridiculed him, saving the very people that said he wasn't worthy, that he wasn't strong enough, that he was crazy. Brothers and sisters, that is a perfect picture of Jesus. Jesus leaves heaven and he runs down into this battlefield of this world and he goes to find anyone that he can, even his enemy. Just like Desmond Doff, he came across Japanese soldiers and he tried to save their life. It didn't matter to him. He was just interested in saving lives. That's what Jesus does. He's interested in saving souls. But much like this, Jesus comes down and he rushes down into this battlefield and you know who he finds? He finds me. And I'm the one. I'm his enemy. Scripture says that we're all enemies. While he yet died for us, we were still his enemies. And he finds me. And I'm the one who said, Jesus is crazy. He's not worth it. It's all just a bunch of religious garble. And he came upon me, his enemy, and he could have killed me. I deserve to die. But he saved me. And if we were to put it into to biblical terms, stories that we read in the Bible... It's kind of like this. Jesus comes across me because I'm the leper. I'm the one who's unclean. He comes across me. I'm, I'm really legioned. I've got demons that I battle in my life. I'm really the unfaithful one who's caught in adultery. I really am Barabbas. I'm the criminal that the world has set free. You know who I really am? I'm Lazarus. And I need to be brought back to life. 
Scripture says in Colossians 1.13, For Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Jesus came down and transferred me and transferred us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. He really is the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Because he loves you that much. Because your soul is that important to him. Jesus really is the hero of my soul. Because without him, I have nothing. And I truly am dead. He goes through all of that. That really is radical love. It really is reckless love. Amen? So, as the band comes back up, I need to ask you this. Where are you today? Have you been rescued from the dominion of darkness and transformed into the kingdom of light? If that's where you're at, then Jesus is calling out to you to do what Desmond Doss prayed for. Go get one more. If you're in the kingdom of light, if that's where you are, that's where you are today, then God needs you to go and get one more. The opposite of that is true too. Maybe there's some of you here today that you still feel like you're in darkness. Maybe there's some of you today that feel like you're still in bondage. Satan has you. Maybe there's someone here today that feels like you're so far into the enemy camp that there's no way out. But there is. There's Jesus, the shepherd and guardian of your soul, and he's just waiting for you to call out for help and allow him and give them an opportunity to come and save your soul. That's what's important to him. You know, when we owe someone our life, it's important that we live it in a way that honors them. Amen? So whatever your need is, if you need to call out to Jesus, do so now as we sing this song.